This is HPR episode 1807 entitled Arch Linux Development Environment, EP1. It is hosted by CJM and is about 36 minutes long. The summary is a tour of how to set up a base Arch Linux environment. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Welcome to the CJM podcast recorded for uh, Hacker Public Radio. Um, not to bring a whole bunch of advertisements into the mix, but I'd just like to say if you'd ever thought about recording a show before or anything, you should definitely give it a shot because I was just a listener like you um, maybe three months ago and then I just picked up a microphone and I'm loving it now. So, uh, yeah, well... I guess I better move on to what I'm actually going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about, uh, sort of in the same vein as what I was talking about uh, before, but I'm going to take a step back. I had my Intro to C series in which I uh, started just showing you the basics of what C is and how to do it, but uh, I'm going to actually do a three-part series before I get to any more of the C I'm going to do a way of setting up your dev environment, or the way I would. Um, now, it will be based on GNU Linux, and in particular, it'll be based on Arch Linux. So I'm going to teach how to uh, how to just go through the whole install process and make make it all uh, kind of in sync with really where we want to be in terms of a development environment overall. So I'm going to actually split it up into three main, uh, sorry, main categories. I'm going to split it up into the first episode, getting a base system running, uh, a second episode, getting your tools installed, and then a third episode, I'm going to talk about an editor war that has raged on for centuries. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the Emacs versus Vim and where I'm kind of lying on the stance for it. Okay, so... Those are kind of what I'm going for, and uh, yeah, and I hope that the third episode in particular will kind of fall in line with Dave Morris's uh, Vim Hints series as well, so it'll be great. Um, I've kind of written up quite a few notes here, uh, just just kind of to teach myself more or less than anything else, Um, but uh, the beginner's guide on the Arch Wiki, which I have a link to, is just perfect, and I also have a link to downloading the uh, Arch Linux... um, Arch Linux ISO, so if you need to get the Arch Linux ISO, feel free to do that. Alright, so, what's the first thing that we do when we start to install a new operating system? Well, we download the ISO, so if you just go here and go to my show notes, I've got a link here that says 
Uh, it's the U of Waterloo Arch Linux mirror and download. Uh, you can just grab it, uh, and it should be fine. I don't really know where you're going from, but I just put it up there as it's the closest for me. So I also have another thing here, a guide to DDing your image. So DD is a tool that comes with most Unix systems. And then right here I've got um, zero before we get into the guide. Section zero is preparing your boot image. So you can use the DD command, and I've got this link here that points you right to how to use the DD command itself. And then the third and final link I've got here is the Arch Wiki Beginner's Guide. Now this is really some great documentation that you should start with and to be honest a lot of the things I'm about to say are directly derived from there um, I'm just gonna kinda add some more of my types of things um, like my my insights into what we're doing and things like that but but the Arch Linux uh, beginners guide is really where you need to go um, so I'm just looking here actually my table of contents is a little out of date I don't have my preparing the boot image on there so I'll, I'll update that by the time this gets out but um yeah so let's uh, let's begin so what's the first thing that we do when we start a start an installation is we get the ISO so uh, if you just open up the show notes I've got the the Arch Linux mirror and download you can grab it and once you get it on your system we're gonna have to prepare it onto our actual boot medium now boot mediums can be CDs they can be USBs uh, if you have a really ancient 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 uh, it might be a floppy drive it might be something like that but either way we're gonna have to pick some sort of uh, some sort of how do I say it just installation medium to kinda put the ISO on um, alright so let's let's see uh, the basic syntax for uh, doing it is using the dd command as I said now best practices state that you should probably put uh, put a dollar sign or a hashtag in front just to make sure you can get the the dd command all well and good but even if you go to the guide to ddng your image in the show notes then you can just copy it and I've also got the code there too so all, all you have to do is dd and then your input file is if equals and then your path to your arch ISO, your output file is going to equal your slash dev slash SD uh, A or B or C or wherever your drive is. Uh, now X, like I said here, I have SDX, but X is really where your USB is. And to find it, one good way to do it is you could either do an LSBLK command or you could do a D message piped into a tail. So that'll just grab the end of the tail. So uh, this just brings down or the um, sorry the show notes here. I'm just kind of following those, so I hope I'm kind of giving a thorough enough enough explanation. But the uh, DD command copies drives byte by byte. So by copying ISOs, which are basically like CD file systems, we can put it directly on the USB and make it bootable. So that's what we're doing, and I'm kind of going with the USB here for my for my media so like I said just the input file the output file and then BS here is uh, bytes per second so I put four megabytes and then just to make sure all of our bu buffers are synced we do uh, a double ampersand which in bash means and uh, logical and it also it kind of do this command and do that command right so uh, we have this sync command here at the end which basically just says to the file system let's be all um, we have all our blocks lined up and whatnot and make sure we're all good that way so I have an explanation of what each of these 
things do here in bold on the show notes. All right. So uh, the first actual step after we've prepared our boot image is to boot. So once once you boot, you plug it into your computer. You might have to fiddle around with the BIOS and choose the boot order. Usually that's done by pressing F2 or F8, and then you can choose a boot menu and go through there. And, and I mean, some people probably won't have trouble with that because we most of us have installed the Linux distro here at some point, but I might as well go over it. So just go into your BIOS and uh, go into the... Uh, Go into the boot menu and make sure everything's good like that. Okay, so once you get booted in, you're going to be greeted by a prompt. And this is this is all Arch Linux is. This is the live CD of Arch Linux. Uh, it's just a, it's a basic prompt with some utilities, some shell utilities to get you started. Uh, and I think one good place to start is checking the, uh, checking the network. So I just have a note here. If your connection is wired, then the the DHCPD client will automatically boot, find everything it needs to have, and then it'll actually bring up your interface and you'll be connected, hopefully. Um, if you're on a laptop or something of that nature, which a lot of people might be, um, Arch Linux is actually, I think it's one of the only, if I if I'm, I could be mistaken if I am, but it has a Wi-Fi menu, which is a, a nice NCURSIS interface in the terminal to find a good network. It uses the NetCTL backend to be able to find everything. Um, so on enterprise WPA networks, you'll have to, you might want to use a different network manager. Uh, such as network manager or something like that, but for most for most it should be fine. Um, just to make sure we're all up and running, you can use the ping command and just choose a URL and you should be fine. To, and if it starts sending packets back, then you're then we all know we're good. Um, yeah. So once you get the network up and running using the sudo Wi-Fi menu or or the uh, Ethernet cord, if that's what you're running on, then then we can move on to the next part, which is the partitioning of the actual system. Now, partitioning in most other distros is actually done by itself. Uh, just an overview, it's every operating system starts without a specific way of how to lay out memory. So it doesn't know how to lay out its own memory. We have to tell it. So basically what we do is we create a partition table to be able to say, well, we want this data here and this much data going here. You can read more about the partitioning tables and the file system hierarchy here in the show notes. I've I've kind of given, um, given an overview in terms of some links you can go and check out. But uh, the basic... The basic summary is that everything starts from the root directory. A basic layout for a system in terms of our partition table uh, would be it's it's best to separate your boot. So where where the kernel gets stored, where your init RAM FS gets stored, all of those types of things, it's best to get that stored in its own separate partition. So my basic layout is to have a boot partition, which is about 200 megabytes. Now, then you've got your root partition, which is uh, which is usually around 20 gigabytes. That's kind of good because you don't you need enough storage there, but you don't need too much. Uh, just because the root will hold everything else, but in terms of the root actually filling up, it doesn't it doesn't fill up. So a lot of the things and a lot of the partitions we're creating, um, although they're stored they're mounted on root as it's called, 
they're actually completely separate file systems and that's why we're partitioning them so you don't have to worry oh my roots 20 gigabytes and my home is a hundred um, because home is actually a completely different partition than the root so we have our boot which is 200 mags we have our root which is 20 gigabytes and then another one you have especially if you're going to be doing a lot of system administration you're going to have a var partition now that's going to be about 12 gigabytes now that just will hold if you have any log files if you have any mail that you're getting in the var directory log files and everything that goes wrong there so anything that goes wrong will write to the var partition and that's that's pretty common practice and I like to separate my var and um, and then the last partition we have is our home partition and our home partition will be the rest of your disk space so if I had a hundred gigabytes then if I did the math 68 gigabytes so so the home partition would be 68 gigabytes in size um, because that's we want all of our user files and everything we're going to store our images any files that the user stores will go in their home directories or their home partition excuse me so you have your boot you have your root you have your var and you have your home so i'm just going to go through it again you have your boot which is 200 megs you have your root which is 20 gigabytes your var which is 12 gigabytes and then your home is usually the rest of the disk space layout is kind of taken back from uh, the art the arch wiki itself so that's still on the uh, the partitioning table and if you dig around a little bit then uh, you can find the basic layout but this layout I've probably used for five installs to ten installs and it's actually uh, it's really worked for me and I've had no problem so that's what I'll be going with and it's not set in stone either so feel free to to mess around if you want your boot partition to be 300 megs your root to be 50 and your var to be 20 uh, if you have the space, you go for it because there's no hard and set rules. I mean, this thinking sure you got adequate space for everything. So now we had to do something that actually writes this partitioning, this partitioning data, and kind of makes the layout that we want. So now that we have the basic layout kind of laid out on paper, we need to put it into memory. So for that, we're going to be using the F disk utility. So that's F D I S K. Um, to, to start, the one thing we're going to have to use in a command that we'll be, have to get familiar with is LSBLK, which just it lists the, the devices that are in your system. So it, it lists your different hard drives, it would list USB drives, it would list things like that. And it lists them in a nice formatted fashion. So let's say our, our device, our hard drive that we will be partitioning is slash D dev slash SDA well then we're gonna choose that dev SDA with F disk uh, once you put the dev S or once you type in F disk slash dev slash SDA or SDB wherever your is located then you will be taken to a prompt uh, there should be no partition table located on the drive if there are then you can hit D and that will delete a partition one at a time. So just delete, delete, delete. Uh, but make sure you back up your data, obviously, before doing this, because that will uh, it will wreck your data. Um, once your partition table is completely deleted and we're starting fresh, we're going to be using the N key for to hit a new partition. So it'll ask you for its type, and you can leave it as def default. 
Um, and then once again, it will ask you for the first sector. Now, the first, the way it works is you have to define the first sector and the last sector, but the last sector actually shows how much space you want. So for boot, you would say, for boot, you would say our first sector would be default because we're starting at the beginning of the disk. And then our last sector will be plus 200 megabytes because that's where we want it to end. So that's what you do. You uh, get to the, when it says, specify the last sector you you type in plus 200 MB with a capital so that's in the show notes as well um, so you just do that and then uh, again that'll create the partition now you have to hit N and this will start where boot left off and you have to 20 gigabytes for the last sector because you want it to take up 20 gigs and then for the VAR you have a plus 12 gigabytes and then for home, you can just leave the first sector and the last sector the same. Uh, one important thing to do is once you've got the partition table, which you can view with the P command that will print the partition table, um, you could do is just hit the W key to write the changes. So that will delete all the data on your disk. So make sure that you've got everything up to date and going. All right. Alright, so now if you do an LSBLK, you should see whatever your drive is. So if it's SDA, SDB, um, you should see the different partitions underneath that. So you should see SDA1, SDA2, SDA3, SDA4. So SDA1 should be your boot if you followed what I was doing. Uh, SDA2 should be 20 gigabytes and your root. Uh, SDA3 should be var with 12 gigabytes. And then your dev SDA4 should take up the rest of your space. All right. So now that we've got our partition table uh, written, so make sure you hit the W key on that. And once you get it, once you get it written, then the next thing we actually have to do is tell the operating system what file systems we want to create out of the partitions. So we're going to be using ext4 for all of these partitions so you just do mkfs for makefs dot ext4 and then slash dev slash sda1 for boot sda2 for root sda3 for var and sda4 for home so that's just a makefs.ext4 and that just tells the operating system what what file system we want to use for each partition. Alright, so on to the next thing. The next thing we have to do is actually mount the partitions within our file system. So like I've said before, we're actually going to start off of the root partition. So now that now that the file systems are made and the OS knows what kind of file system structure, uh, we actually have to say, hey, this space is readable and writable and all that. Um, so it's really important to do this, and that's achieved actually using the mount command. Um, so if you do mount dash v and then slash dev slash sda one or sda two, sorry, because that would be um, that would be the twenty gigabyte. So if you have sda a2, which should be the 20 gigabyte if you followed what I was doing. Um, if it's not, well, that's okay. You can just go back and kind of redo those steps, but uh, that that's the root partition. So, once again, you can use lsblk to make sure we've got the right root partition, and we mount it onto the mount directory, um, which is slash mount. 
the command to run for that is mount-v and that's just for verbose output uh, slash dev slash sda2 and then space slash mount so that just mounts whatever partition or device on to the specific directory you specify so it's as simple as that uh, we've now got a root directory to make everything else so if you've got other partitions which we do if you followed the partition structure I've been following uh, the main thing is we need to do the same thing so we should probably have folders for each one so so if you just now that the root partition is mounted you can be able to do make directory slash mount slash boot make directory slash mount slash var and then make directory slash mount slash home uh, now I've also got a shortcut located here in the in the uh, show notes make directory dash p slash mount and then slash and then I have an opening curly brace boot comma var comma home ending ending brace because that actually is brace expansion um, if you just do a google search for brace expansion bash uh, you can actually find some really interesting things but for right now just use three different separate commands make directory and make sure it's through through the um, slash mount slash whatever you're mounting because it's really important so uh, just to recap we have if you do an LSBLK, you want to put your 200 megabyte to mount boot, your 12 gigabyte to mount var, and your root should be on slash mount, and then the last partition to slash mount slash home. So once again, check with LSBLK, make sure everything's set up, and I've got it all in the show notes if you want, but also the arch... Uh, excuse me, the arch wiki is really important. You can go there. Um... Yeah, so once we're ready to go, the next logical step is to install the base system. Now, the base system is basically just the way a foundation for our system to build on. Um, you can specify any um, any packages here that you actually want to install, but but one important thing to note is that we don't actually have the package manager installed. That's that's installed in base, um, but the Arch Linux folks have been kind enough to provide us with a simple wrapper script that will reach out to the repositories. So another thing you can do is you go to your Etsy uh, mirror list under the Pac-Man folder and just check for the newest, closest uh, mirror you've got there and it'll help. But anyway, that's another another story. It's all through the ArchWiki if you want to look into that. Um, but the packstrap command is the one you want. So the packstrap command is packstrap and then you have to give it wherever you want it to go in this case you want it to go on mount so that's going to be specified with the dash i flag so packstrap dash i mount slash mount and then the names of the packages you want to install in this case we're going to install base and base devel so just wait for that to finish it'll take some time and there you go now you have a basic system installed into mount and that's really where we need to go once that's finished um, the next thing that we have to do before we start actually configuring our system is uh, to generate an fstab. Now, once again, an fstab file is basically, it tells the operating system how everything is mounted because 
and what, uh, sorry, it tells the operating system what is mounted and how to mount each system when it actually starts up the PC, so you don't have to go through and mount all your VAR and your boot and your home all the time, right? So it, uh, generating the FSTAB is really important, and Arch Linux has actually provided a really nice script for that as well. So Gen F's, Gen FSTAB, G-E-N-F-S-T-A-B, dash capital U dash P slash mount and then the append operator which is two opening greater brackets and then slash mount slash Etsy slash F stab uh, now what does the dash capital U do it says use UUID for source identifiers it's just a little bit easier to see everything and then the dash P says avoid printing pseudo file system mounts so that's a fancy way of saying that it doesn't want to um, mount it twice and then print it and it's just it's just more of a precautionary measure um, and once you generate the fstab it's always good to look at it so if you just use the cat command uh, and go cat slash mount slash Etsy slash fstab uh, and make sure all your partitions line up so your boots on boot your roots on root your bars on bar and your homes on home and once you get all that done you should be good to go so once again we just have to generate enough stab that's really important um, okay so you may be thinking to yourself we've got this mount directory and I've installed all of these things to it using my packstrap command and I've generated an fstab but it's not actually my system yet I'm still in the live CD and you'd be correct you still are in the live CD uh, you're still in the environment that the Arch Linux Live CD gave you. Um, you're not actually into your system yet, and that's kind of something kind of hard to wrap your head around, but uh, at least it was for me at start, but the main thing is that we know that all of those utilities are installed onto the mount, or, uh, mount partition, which is where we're starting, uh, because the root in Unix is where everything branches off. So main thing we have to do now is kind of change that root. So we have to change where our tree branches off from. And we have to make sure that we actually want to go into the slash mount uh, directory because that's where our system's mounted. If you remember, that's where we put our root partition on, our boot partition, you know, and that's it's really important to get within that. So our root directory is that slash mount. Um, to do that, there's actually a really nice tool called arch dash change root uh, well it's actually chur root so chr root so uh, it's, it stands for arch change root and it takes the directory you want to change and the shell that you want to use so you can use arch ch root arch dash ch root and then space the directory you're giving it in this case mount slash mount uh, slash mnt and then space slash bin slash bash uh, and the bin bash just tells it what shell we want to use within the mount directory if you want to use another shell feel free you can you can use it here I think they've got the um, they've got the sh shell and they might have the zsh shell um, yeah so here we go and just just another thing I I would highly recommend that you are reading the documentation along with this podcast. So if you if you're not if you're on your way to work then that's a different story, but 
Uh, it just helps because I'm kind of going off of this. So that's just another reminder. But uh, now that we're actually in our in our system, so once you've changed rooted, your shell prompt must change, and it'll say now you're within the system and. That really means that we don't have the utilities that we had before. So we no longer have Gen F stab. We no longer have Wi-Fi menu. And those are things that we're going to need. So just don't just don't think that we're in the same system because we although we are uh we just we're, we don't have access to the same live environment tools that we did before. So um, there's a few things we've got to do once we've changed rooted. We've got to set the locale. Um, now, this is really important. Uh, the list of locales is located in slash etsy slash locale that dot gen. Um, so that's locale dot gen. And you have to uncomment the one you want to use. In my case, that's en underscore capital ca dot utf dash eight. Uh, now this is, could be very confusing, but if you just do a nano slash etsy slash, so that's nano and then space slash etsy slash locale that dot gen, and then look for it wherever whatever your locale is. So if you're in the states, it's en underscore us dot utf eight. Um, it, there's other other places there, so you use nano, then you go there, and then once the line that you want is uncommented, we have to run another script that's included in base, which is locale-gen. Now it'll it'll generate your locale settings for you. Um, now another thing is we have to populate our slash etsy slash locale.conf, and this is done really easily by using Unix's wonderful redirection operator so we can go echo lang in capitals because it's an environment variable equals uh, lowercase en underscore capital ca dot utf dash eight in my case or whatever your locale is so once again that's lang in capitals equals whatever your locale is with a greater than sign to redirect the output into slash etsy slash locale dot conf uh, and then that'll put it right into the locale.conf, and you should be done. Um, finally, we have to export our environment variable for the lang. So we have to go export lang equals en underscore ca dot utf dash 8. In my case, once again, or whatever you're going to do. So, so that's export lang in capitals equals en underscore ca dot utf 8 for me, or whatever lang you chose for yourself. Um, how the next thing we have to modify is the time zones. Uh, now the time zones are actually uh, uh, they're they're stored in slash user slash share slash zone info, and I don't know exactly what you're doing there, but you're gonna have to find your own time zone in the zone info folder, and then the way what we do is we actually make a link from that time zone to slash Etsy slash local time. And then that'll set the time for you. So, so in my case, it's slash user slash share slash zone info slash Canada with a capital slash Eastern. And what I what I do is ln dash s, and then I put in that path of Canada Eastern, and then I put in the path of Etsy local time. 
And that should be that. And you can do a cat of uh, Etsy local time to see what's going on there. Uh, but it should be all set up. And then finally, we have to set our hardware clock. So to set the hardware clock, we use the, the command HW clock space dash dash systalk, which is S-Y-S-T-O-H-C space dash dash U-T-C. And then that'll set the clock to the appropriate time according to your time zone. Uh, a few other modifications we have to make. We have to put our host name in. So you can name your computer whatever you want. In my case, I'll name it Arch. I do an echo Arch and then use the redirection operator, which is the greater than sign, and put it into slash Etsy slash host name. And then there you go. And it, you can do a cat on slash Etsy slash host name. And you can modify, once again, once you make the host name, uh, you have to modify your slash Etsy slash hosts and put the host name that you want with on your 127.0.0.1 line under hosts. And we should be good to go. And you can use nano for that as well to modify slash Etsy slash hosts. Um, okay. Finally, we want to be able to connect to the network when you reboot our systems. So uh, for anything, it's really nice to have that Wi-Fi menu tool. Uh, you can do Pac-Man-Capital-S and then space IW space WA underscore supplicant space dialog, and then that will install all the tools that you need for the Wi-Fi menu t utility. Um, then once you install those, you need to set the root password by using passwd, uh, that will uh, that will that will set your root password and make just make sure it's secure and robust, and you should be good to go for that. And then find and then finally, you have to install a bootloader. So. So you have to install a bootloader, uh, and for this, I will be using. Uh, i386 basic bootloader but if you have a UEFI uh, boot system then you can search that on the ArchWiki uh, and I'm also going to be using Grub but feel free to use whatever you want so to install Grub we do a Pacman space dash capital S Grub and then OS Prober if you have a different Prober in there and then we also have to know where our root partition is so once again that for me that's SDA2. Uh, once grub is installed, you can do a grub dash install and then space dash dash target equals i3d86-pc and then space dash dash recheck and then slash dev slash wherever we were using. Now it's important that you don't put any uh, numbers on the end of that. You just put the SDA, SDB, SDC. Um, okay, and then finally, once you do that, you have to make a grub configuration, and that will be done by using grub-mkconfig uh, command, so that's grub-mkconfig space dash o, and then slash boot, slash grub, slash grub.cfg. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, you have just installed a basic 
Arch Linux system. This is bare bones. You can't really do much with it yet, but I'll be coming back with another episode. All you have to do now is exit and reboot. So I appreciate your time, and I hope this was uh, informative. Uh, You have a great day, all right? I'll talk to you soon. Uh, It was a pleasure, and once again, if you ever have anything to talk about, please submit it to HPR. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.